At the 24-yard line, Leonard looking long on target. Touchdown. Duke. He's going to run it himself to the left. Leonard to the two to the end zone. Touchdown. Five oh, yards. 0 for three on third downs. Make it 0 for four. The pressure gets to Wells. Brandon Johnson, his fourth sack of the season. Carolina game. Mike Elko thought they had it. But through the adversity, Duke has continued to grind. And today, a mighty, impressive 24-7 victory over Virginia Tech. Free Elko era, baby. Can we get some music? Yeah! It only took 41 years, <laughs> but the Duke Blue Devils have finally defeated the Virginia Tech Hokies at home. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, and the gang's all back, finally, after a few weeks. We've got Josh Cox, we've got Jamie Holt, we've got Scott Medlin, and of course we have producer Justin Sykes. And before we get into our thoughts about another great Duke victory, the seventh of the year, we got to hear from the man himself first. Here's Coach Elko post-game after the big Virginia Tech win. Um, obviously excited about win number seven. Um, you know, challenged the guys last week that, that, you know, we started this thing to become the best football team we could be this year and, and not just to become a bowl-eligible football team. And I thought they handled that challenge really well. I thought we had a good week of practice. I thought we were ready. Uh, despite how the game started, I still feel like we were ready. And, uh, you know, we responded to a little bit of a so start and, and really, I think, controlled the game. I thought, obviously, defensively, we played our best effort of the year. Uh, I thought the way we controlled the line of scrimmage, the way we responded to the, the first big pass, play. Uh, I thought we really kind of controlled the tempo of the game. We did a really good job of pressuring the quarterback on third down. Again, we were able to get off the field a lot. And I thought that really stabilized the momentum in the game. And then, you know, offensively, we knew it was going to be a little bit of a challenge. We knew they were going to load the box with the different twists and blitzes and the way they were going to try to stunt and stop the run game. You know, we, we knew it was going to be a grinded out type of day. You know, we tried to get the passing game going a little bit more. Uh, we felt like that would help keep them off us. Uh, we did. I think Riley threw for 264, which was his best game in a while um, you know and then and I thought we came up with some really big plays I thought Jalen Calhoun came up with some really play, big plays and then obviously John Tavis Robertson um, came up with some huge catches at, at critical moments in that game to really put that thing away and so I'm um, proud of our guys I'm proud of what we did today and you know obviously again now it's now let's go back to work and figure out how to get eight and again, that was head coach Mike Elko after the Blue Devils defeated the Hokies 24-7. And as I said in the opener, is the first time since 1981 that the Blue Devils have won at home against the Hokies. And for those of you who saw my Twitter, only two of the four of us were around the last time this happened. Who were they? Mr. Scott Medlin and Mr. Jamie Holt. So, fellas, the win train continues down the tracks. It's Duke's third win in a row. And boy, do we need the momentum getting ready for this upcoming weekend. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, what an incredible victory, um, if you really think about it. Uh, obviously, you have a couple of odd things that took place. I mean, first of all, you have uh, Virginia Tech uh, come down and, uh, you know, uh, wide receiver beats the DB, scores an early touchdown uh, less than two minutes into the game. I mean, it was... Uh, pretty pretty wild, and then second to play. think that yeah, the second play, yeah, just and then to think that we did not Duke did not give up another point the entire game um, is pretty incredible. I, a couple of things 
that were going through my mind. Number one, how awesome is it in Mike Elko's first season that Duke can win like a methodical, let's be honest, kind of a boring, methodical, slow game. And you look up at the end of the game and we won by 17. Uh, That is pretty incredible and pretty impressive. I will say probably the most complete performance on the defensive side of the football all season, even all the way back to that Temple game. I mean, obviously that was a shutout, uh, but we were one play away from this being a shutout. And so I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting that um, I felt like Virginia Tech somewhat um, not mailed it in, but I, I didn't see the aggressiveness that you would expect from a team that has nothing to lose. I mean, this team is set two and seven. This is Brent Price first year. He's got, you know, two and eight now, uh, but they were two and seven. They've got nothing to lose. They're not going to a bowl game. It, you know, it just is what it is. And, and yet it's fourth and less than a yard a couple of times in this game. And they punt uh, near midfield. I don't know. It was very interesting. Uh, I, I, I tweeted this uh, from our account to think that both of these programs are in the first year of a brand new head coach and to see the gap and the difference between the Duke football program and the Virginia Tech Hokie program is it, that gap is very wide. It's pretty incredible to see that. And so I know we got some players we want to talk about, guys, but just overall, that those are my thoughts. Uh, a methodical, boring 24 to 7 butt kicking that took place in Wallace Wade Saturday. So, um, yeah, it, it was a good, it, like Josh just said, after the second play, Duke pretty much just took over. And the only opportunity they had the rest of the day was the field goal that went wide right. So, you know, great, great job by the defense. And I mean, I, I the that on I think it was on that same play where he threw the touchdown pass. Dwayne Carter went down. I'm telling you, the air almost went out of the stadium. Cause I told Dwayne, I saw Dwayne afterward and talked to him. I told him, I said, man, as soon as you hit that ground, I started fearing the worst. Cause it looked like he just jumped and he landed and then he went down. Now I come to find out that in the process of trying not to run the quarterback over, his arm came down and he hit him and it it tweaked him a little bit. So that's what ended up happening. But uh, there, there are a couple more odd stats to me about this game. Uh, the game was played in a crisp two hours and 51 minutes, a full game, two hours and 51 minutes. And the secondary thing that was odd was I had as many penalties as Virginia Tech did Saturday. Zero. Now, yeah, don't know how you do that, especially all the holding that we saw from 300 miles away at the top of 17. But it is what it is. They didn't call it. At least my man Magnalise didn't see a knee down this year, this time, and close his eyes and act like he didn't see anything else. So, but I mean, honestly, Duke played well. Um, it, and I don't know if this will get mentioned before the day's over. Um, I yelled this once, and it was probably dumb of me to yell. But the two catches that Jordan Moore made where he reached behind his back almost to catch him, I yelled to the top of my lungs, this is why Jordan Moore is a wide receiver now. Because that's how great of an athlete he is. And Coach Elko and them saw that in the first two weeks of fall practice to see that that's why we needed him on the field. And Jomo had his best game I think he's had in probably a month. So he stepped up. John Tavius Robinson stepped up. And honestly, I mean, 
the running back by committee, led, led by that big tall giraffe we have back there at quarterback. Great job. And, hey, a win is a win. Even if it took 41 years to finally beat them, we didn't have to sit there and watch a third and 42 go 44 yards for a first down. So that's a blessing. So thank the Lord. Shout out to Matt Daniels. <laughs> yes. Look, I was on my way home from Tampa, you know, on my way home from vacation. You know, I'd rather be in Wallace Wade Stadium, obviously. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. You were doing what, Jamie? was driving breaking news justin if you can play the breaking news sound bit jamie was on vacation <laughs> <laughs> but i got the chance to listen to the game on you know the duke radio network and shout out to i tweeted this after the game shout out to shoemate and harding because they do a great job um keeping keeping you in the know and knowing exactly what's going on throughout the game and we know as duke fans <laughs> uh, we love Bob Harris, but he wasn't the he wasn't the greatest for football. He he was a basketball guy. But he throws, it out, he's it, throws out there to the to the fellow over there on the right, <laughs> and he's running down the right sideline. <laughs> Shoemate and Harding, man, they were good, and it was way better than uh, having to watch a game on that trash network, uh, Bally Sports. So, but yeah, I thought Duke was, I mean, pretty much dominant throughout. It even started, you know, it looked like. Um, Raleigh was going to hit Jalen for a long touchdown right out of the gate and just missed it. Uh, maybe Raleigh was a, a little off to start. Uh, the de defense allowed Virginia Tech to get down get down the field and score a touchdown pretty quickly. And I was like, uh-oh, what's, what's going on here? I thought Virginia Tech had, was going to kind of roll over for us. But um, after that, they settled down and they dominated the game. You know, 24 to nothing. Uh, after that, after the one touchdown, Riley had his another, you know, one of his super efficient games for us. The defense was great all throughout. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. They really couldn't do much of anything. Uh, Virginia Tech is who we thought they were. Well, I, I mean, I, I got to be honest. I think uh, if you heard last week's episode, I was playing Kid Wrangler for most of the game. But I will say both boys enjoyed the game very much, especially the uh, flyover at halftime with the the parachutists that came down in with the American flag. All that to say, that game, to Scott's point, was quick, which I really enjoyed. It was very methodical to Josh's point to where I just looked this up. We had the ball, fellas, almost 40 minutes total, 40 of the 60 minutes. Yep. I mean, when's the last time a Duke team has done that, if we're being honest with ourselves? That's been a while. But you know what? This is another dimension of Duke football. We've seen with Temple, with Virginia, they got out. They got out quick. They, they really didn't let the foot off the gas. We've seen in other wins to where they've had to claw their way back, which we're used to. They've won the game. Thought that's what it was going to be with Virginia Tech, but luckily, as Coach Elko said, it wasn't the start that they wanted, but they got back on the right track and scored 24 unanswered. So <clears throat> kudos to this Duke team. They continue to surprise us in a good way. And I think, Josh, you can elaborate on this a little bit. I think Coach Elko is getting a little agitated because people keep asking if he's surprised about this team and the performance they put in and the results that they give. And – I think it was today he was like, I don't know how many times I'm going to have to tell you guys 
and then he went into his answer. And, and so that's a good thing. It's almost like people are like, this isn't really happening, coach. Why is this happening? Explain to us why yeah. this is happening. Or or, or it, when is this going to stop? Exactly. When, when when's, the, stop? when's the carriage going to turn back into the pumpkin? This just yeah. doesn't seem real. But all I will say is this. Stuke's first three-game winning streak in the ACC since 2015. Time to reel off some stats. It is the first time, fellas, since 2013, that magical season, where we have defeated Miami, Virginia Tech, and Virginia in a season. That feels good. Here's some stats from Duke themselves, and thank you for Duke to Duke for uh, posting this post game. Mike Elko, first head coach since Fred Goldsmith, 1994, to win at least seven games in their first season at, at the helm of being the Duke coach. Jalen Calhoun became the 11th player to have 2,000 receiving yards. And, fellas, we've got two more games left. Three, maybe three. We got no more. Well, oh, yeah, three. You're right. I'm sorry. Three. I'm, I apologize. Now. Two in the regular season. So, looking at this, he could potentially finish around ninth and pass your boy Corey Thomas, Josh. Oh, he's man. Gotta, he's got to have God. some big games. My so, God. Yeah. Sophomore quarterback Riley Leonard is just the second quarterback in program history with 10 rushing uh, touchdowns and 10 passing touchdowns in a single season. Who was the other, fellas? Thomas Sirk. Nope. Hold on, one more time. No, Brandon Kinnett. There you go, Scott. Brandon Brandon Kinnett. Kinnett. I knew Brandon Kinnett had the rush. Josh's guy, Brandon Kinnett. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know that he had thrown that many. Raleigh yeah. Leonard, Heisman contender. Oh, That's Lord. right. Here we go. <laughs> so, so, Brian, are you done with the stats? No, I got one more. One more. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. I, I mean, we've got to glow while we can. Yeah, bring it, dude. Going back to the Duke defense, they held the Hokies to just 281 total yards of offense. This is the fewest yards allowed to an ACC team since they held Miami to 259 yards back in 2019. Was that the upside or the you down game with the? Uh, uh, I think it was. I think it was the Deion Jackson game. Yeah. Okay. Deion Jackson touchdown game. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All that to say. That was every, the you down game too. It was the you down with Ben. Yeah. All that to say, another fantastic performance from this team. And we are all cautiously op optimistic with our last two opponents heading into next week and the week after. Josh, you were going to say something for Scott? Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was just going to say that um, one, of the fun, one other stat I forgot to mention was I don't think I've ever seen a lineman run as fast as I did with Graham Barton trying to save that DB from Justin Pickett getting to him over by the Duke sideline. <laughs> That's the fastest I've ever seen a man that size move. But uh, it was – I was talking to Dwayne also again after the game, and he was mentioning how chippy it was out there towards the end. And that was some of the reason why that happened. Now, I, I'm sure people that, that were paying attention saw it happen. And Pickett just came out of nowhere and was ready to get that DB. And I told him, I said, man, I said, I was hoping we were going to run the play in that direction again and let Pickett lead it. But um, he was talking about, yeah, he's like, I know what it's like to be at two and eight. You get chippy. You know, the team just gets yep. angry and can't take it anymore, so you start trying to take it out on the other team. He said, but it's really nice to be on this side of the old uh, seven and three. Yeah, that's for sure. A couple of just a cleanup notes so just from the game. Jaquez Moore left the game uh, after uh, taking a pretty massive hit. Um, and so – uh, Coach Elko today did say that he he actually expects him to be available this week, 
uh, this Saturday. And so uh, we'll keep our eye on that. We know Nikki Dalmalin uh, did not finish the game on Saturday. He was in the tent a couple times, was in a boot um, Saturday uh, after the game. Um, so once again, something else, you know, to keep our eyes on. And then on that same front, we knew that this was our first game with Justin Pickett. Offensive line, I thought, uh, did really well. Coach Elko mentioned today that, you know, the scheme we set up for this game was to pass heavy at the beginning because he knew they were going to stack the box and give us a lot of complex looks uh, there on the, on the run game. But the offensive line kept Riley clean again, um, no sacks. Um, and and then they did, by the time the game was over, they had opened up those those holes um, in the run game. And then, obviously, this is the second game without Eli Pankhole. Last week, the Boston College game, it was the Samir Hagens game. This week, was the, we've mentioned him, the John Tavius Robertson game, uh, Robertson game. Two specific catches that I mentioned in my helmet sticker, the fourth down in the first half. Uh, just uh, just a really, really important fourth and seven. Riley bought some time in the pocket. John Tavis had time to get open. And then, obviously, after the Jomo one-handed fourth down catch uh, to start the fourth quarter, kind of early in the fourth quarter, the very next p- play was a kind of a fade, kind of an odd fade route, kind of a back shoulder fade a little bit uh, from one side of the field to the other to John Tavis, and he had another one. So another t- a touchdown there. So, anyway, I just wanted to shout out a couple of those guys. Um, obviously, news that came out today as well. Uh, Coach Elko, I'm uh, sorry, came out Monday. Coach Elko said that Jacob Monk is now listed as game to game, um, as opposed to out. And so that that's very good news for Duke fans. Just on the injury front, just want to kind of clean those things up. Jalen Coleman was back Saturday after being out for four weeks, so uh, things are looking as as promising um, as they possibly as they possibly can. So just want to clean up some of those things from the Virginia Tech game. Just wanted to say um, I was the closest of getting the score, even though I was I was down in Tampa thinking that the weather was going to be bad. <laughs> we're not even there yet. We're, we're not at the prediction yeah. section, Jamie. Good gosh, get out hey. of vacation mode. Hey, I got to brag. <laughs> you get one, one right, and you got to make sure you brag about it. Yeah, one I mean, right. I'm, all year. I'm, I'm glad I opened the episode, or else Jamie would be like, "Oh, it's Duke wins. I won the score prediction. Welcome to this episode." <laughs> One one more thing before we move on, Felton. I just did the math. So Jalen, uh, for his career, is at two thousand and seventy-two yards. Corey Thomas, mine and Josh's boy from yeah. the early nineties, mid to late nineties. Sorry, he has twenty-two hundred and sixty-seven total yards and is is in ninth place. So Jalen would need one hundred and ninety-six yards total to move Last into three. ninth place. That's possible. Awesome. And, and by the way. Since you mentioned Jalen a couple of times, shout out. There was one person that came to play in the first quarter for Duke, yes. and his name was Jalen Calhoun. I mean, he 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 caught three or four passes in the first quarter, a punt return for 40 yards in the first quarter, um, and that was a little bit of senior leadership, I, I feel like, we saw from him there when the team was a little bit uh, slow to get out of the gate. And, and not to get – I don't want to get him in trouble, but he was also mentioning as he was going to his car after the game, that uh, this this Saturday he wants to get number eight. He's so greedy he wants to get another W. Hey, I love it. That's our guy, man. As we all do. Well, I think uh, we spent enough time on this uh, great Virginia Tech victory, but we've got to move on, fellas. We've still got two more games this year, and this upcoming Saturday, it is a big one, boys. The Pitt Panthers. I would say one of our unofficial rivals since uh, the Coastal Division got started. And we're back on track, like I said, and we were able to sit down with Pat Bostic, 
color analyst for the Pitt Panthers. Actually, Jamie did. So here's Jamie's interview with color analyst of the Pitt Panthers, Pat Bostick. We're joined now by Pat Bostick, former Pitt quarterback and color analyst for the Pitt Panthers radio network. Pat will be on the call for the Panthers this Saturday in Pittsburgh as they take on Duke. Pat, thanks for coming on to the Section 17 podcast. I appreciate you having me. Okay, let's get started here. First question, last year, Pitt won their first ever ACC championship in football. How big was that for the program? Yeah, it was huge. Uh, obviously, a um, you know, Pat Narduzzi had been there. It was the seventh season, or his eighth season, rather. He's been here since 2015, and that was a culmination of a lot of work. Obviously, Kenny Pickett was a, a catalyst and a huge reason for that success. Um, and uh, to be in Charlotte with so many Pitt fans and beat Wake and and hoist that trophy was a huge moment for, you know, validating the work that had been done. And obviously, uh, you know, a lot of uh, fuel and motivation moving forward um, for this team and program. And I think proof that, uh, you know, a, a team not named Clemson can, uh, can, can win an ACC championship. It was pretty amazing to see uh, Bank of America Stadium down there packed out with a uh, Panther fans. Like it was, yeah, it looked like a home game. It did, at least one side of the stadium. And obviously, Wake had a short drive. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, our fans have really taken well to the ACC and all the destinations they've traveled really well to. And, um, you know, so it's become, uh, you know, kind of customary for them to make those trips. And, and obviously, for, for the for all the marbles, they were going to be there in droves. And we, we I, I didn't really count them, but I think we had about 30,000 minimum there, which was pretty sweet. Right. Looking at this year's season so far, it seems this team has had some ups and downs. What have been some of the biggest adjustments this team has had to make from last year to this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would point to the offensive side of the ball, obviously. Um, new offensive coordinator Mark Whipple went to Nebraska, uh, obviously replacing Kenny Pickett, the, the all-time leading passer and, you know, all-time leading a lot of things in the passing category at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, Jordan Addison you know, well-documented, transferred to to USC. And um, it was really a, a kind of a – he was a really a shining example of, of what I think the, the portal is going to be moving forward, um, you know, for a lot of teams, unfortunately. But, you know, losing those types of playmakers and installing a new offense, um, you know, Pat Narduzzi wanted to get back to more balance, you know, running the football more consistently. Um, they've done th that part of it well. Um, picked up Keaton Slovis in the transfer portal, felt really good about that, still feel good about that, but for whatever reason, haven't been able to to patch things together, you know, both in the run and pass game. Last week was probably as close as they've come. Been a lot of injury issues. Um, had five starters in the offensive line come back. That group has not played together one at one snap all year um, yeah. due to injuries. And, um, you know, just haven't had the explosive plays until the last couple of weeks, but um, defensively, it, it you know it's been you know, pick up where they left off. Really, have ramped things up here in the month of November, and you know just the the offensive output hasn't matched the the defensive performance. You know, you go back to the early part of the year, they they held Tennessee to only twenty seven points in regulation, um, which is uh, should be plenty to win the football game, and you know lost two quarterbacks in that game, so it did, didn't work out their way, and and really played catch up from that point forward. And, still haven't quite hit their stride on offense yet, although they're closer than they've been. That's a big deal when you hold Tennessee to 27-2 now that we're looking at what Tennessee has yeah. done throughout the entire year. 
Pitt has yeah, been great I mean, on yeah. Pitt has been great on defense all year. Like and they, they seem to get after the quarterback with with an a reckless abandon, which is something yeah. that I'm I'm concerned about coming into Saturday's game. Yeah, it's um it's interesting, you know. I was I was talking going into the the Syracuse game against a, a good Syracuse team that Pitt hadn't had a five sack game all year. They had seven five sack games in 2021. Um, obviously, winning an ACC championship. They had six sacks against Syracuse, and then you know picked up a, another eight sacks against um, against Virginia last week. So they went from being you know ninth or tenth in the country in sacks to now leading the country in sacks. And they've got a very good defensive line that they they just cut loose, and a middle linebacker that's playing well, and probably a secondary that's playing as good as the secondary has played um, under Pat Narduzzi in his defensive scheme since he's been at Pitt. If Pitt had an immediate need for quarterback, could you put the pads back on and contribute on the field? <laughs> no, not <laughs> I. I'd have to shed a few pounds and probably. Uh, hit the weights a little bit, but, um, no, it, it's, uh, it's good to be in the booth. I'm close enough to it, uh, close enough to it to feel great about it and have fun, but far enough away that it doesn't hurt when I wake up in the morning. I'm the same way. If I had to throw a football right now, if I had to throw a football 10 yards, I'd probably throw my shoulder out. So <laughs> I hear you, man. Looking ahead now to Saturday's game against Duke 12 noon kickoff on the ACC network. We wanted to have you fill in the blank on some statements when it comes to this year's pit team. Okay. An area this pit team will excel at on the field Saturday is getting after the quarterback. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing that, that I've looked at that I'm, I've, like I said, I'm very concerned about going into this Saturday's game. Duke fans need to watch out for blank on pit Saturday. Kalijah Cansey, number eight. Can you tell us a little bit more about him? Defensive tackle, virtually unblockable. Um, reminds me, plays a lot like Aaron Donald played. Oh, wow. Hard, wow. hard to compare anyone to Aaron, but he's he's just a – he's a wrecking ball and he's a, he's a game wrecker. All right. Pitt will win against Duke if – They win the turnover battle. Yeah, and that's that's been a key for Duke all year because we've – we're still up towards near the top of the country and, and turnovers forced. Yep. Pitt has been, uh, Pitt has been um, lacking in that. Finally won the turnover battle last week. Duke will win against Pitt if. They establish a running game and neutralize the pass rush. And a couple of, a couple of final questions, just fun stuff, non-football related. Okay. What place is a must-go-to visit on the Pitt campus or in the Pittsburgh area if we were up there? Go up to Mount Washington and take a view of the city. It's beautiful. Okay. And There's good restaurants our, and bars up there, too, by the way. Which is a, that leads into my next question because our Section 17 podcast here, we love to eat. So yep. if our crew was coming to Pittsburgh, give us a food place that we must go to eat. What do you look? What do you like? What are you looking for? Like, you know, I want to give you – you want authentic, like, there's really not a Pittsburgh cuisine, but, like, there's a lot of, you know, I know what's big down there in Durham and Carolina with, with some of the breweries and stuff. There's some good spots that are that are popping up. Um, right. And then there's some, there's some you know, mom-and-pop Italian spots that I could send you to, too, that you would really like. Yeah, I'll, 
I'm a big Italian guy, and I I love steak. So that's any type I, of. You know it. what? I go to Serafino's in Crafton. Serafino's, S E R A F I N O S. Okay. What what kind of place is that? Italian. Italian. Yeah. Nice. Dean, Joe Joe and Dean Caliguire. Dean played at Pitt. Joe played at Temple. Okay. Cool. Pat, thank you so much for joining us on the Section 17 podcast. Good luck with this Saturday's game and the rest of the Panthers season. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. And again, our thanks to Pat Bostic, color analyst for the Pitt Panthers radio network. I, I think I speak for the majority of us saying for this crew, we've got to get a win against Pitt. It's been a while, fellas. It really has. And we're just going to dive into the mailbag questions. I think Jamie has completely lost it. <laughs> we we might have to wait a second. Everyone's losing it now. It's just we're one laughing. of those inside We're jokes. laughing at Jamie. Let's just yeah, that Jamie's way. laughing and we're laughing at him. So obviously you can't see the video. Jamie's trying to conduct himself. Jamie, we got another segment to get into, but come on now. <laughs> I th- right, think we we're cracking up at, at Pat <laughs> taking the uh... – Fill in the blank thing very seriously. <laughs> this is true. Hey, probably the probably the most uh, to the point and quickest uh, interview we've had this season. But hey, we still appreciate Pat coming on. Yeah, thanks, Pat. This pit team. So, Jamie, you good now? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. All right, so let's get into it. As we've done probably since the uh, middle of the season, we've done mailbag questions from you from both uh, Facebook and Twitter. Keep those questions coming. Jamie, let's go ahead and get right into it. What is our first question from the fans? All right, I'm going to start on Twitter. Tyler, at Splash Obi, he's been asking us questions every week. So, Pitt's season has definitely been up and down, but they're on a two-game win streak heading into a tough home game against Duke. What do we need to watch out for? Also, what can Duke exploit against this Pitt team? I mean, we know the rushing game is their strong suit. I mean, and as Coach Elker said today, uh, and I don't think there's any shade towards any of our other opponents, this will be the most physically complete team on both sides of the football that we played all season. So the physicality, the lines, the trenches, I mean, that's going to be where the game is won and lost, in my opinion. Yeah, and even uh, Pat mentioned it in the interview where the last two games they – the defensive line has really been getting after the quarterback. They have 37 sacks on the season. Mm-hmm. And what do you say? There's like 14 of them or 13 of them came over the last two games. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like that. They yeah. were they were in the top 10, and then they moved up all the way to first over the last like two games. I'd, I'd just caution Duke fans to be patient with the offensive scheme because I, I'm sure that they have an idea of what they're going to do. But, I mean, and it could work in the first quarter or it couldn't. And so, like, you know, you know, we got to be patient with this. And this could be one of those, you know, grind it out. Uh, you know, it, it will be. If it's a win, it's going to be a grinded out win. So, we got to be patient with our guys and don't don't jump ship in the first quarter. All right. Um, Peter Dodge, one of our favorites. Yeah, Does yeah. the Pasco have the environmental control capability to mimic Pittsburgh? And he circled Saturday. It's only going to be – 33 degrees in Pittsburgh. So the guys are in for a, in for a cold, cold game. So Elko mentioned it today. I hate to take this one. Elko mentioned it today in the presser. 
um, that they uh, because they're an early morning practice team, trying to get the offense outside uh, early early as they can in the mornings. He said he believes this morning it was about a seven or eight degree difference from what it'll be at game time um, there. But he did mention that you know it's just something they're going to have to deal with. And I will say this um, in some. Uh, I think I can say this. Um, Riley Leonard is a Southern boy from Alabama. And if you think about it, he has played all warm weather football his entire career uh, throughout high school. Uh, now in college, the only game he played last year was Florida state. Um, so that, or that he started um, and played significant minutes. And so at the end of the day, I mean, listen, we can all, uh, you know, we can be like, Oh, just man up and play football. Well, there's a reason why the Miami Dolphins, you know, struggle at New England in December. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. So, the football is a little bit – feels differently. Uh, it's, it's just going to take a little bit of adjustment. Once again, I caution Duke fans, be patient with the beginning of this game. It's probably going to take Riley getting scrambled and getting popped a couple of times to kind of get him loosened up and ready to roll. So, we just got to be ready for it. You got anything, Scott? I, I would I would almost seem to think too, um that I don't think the fan the the stands will be full because I mean they're not going for anything right now other than just winning. Yes, yes, Brian. Shout out to my former coworker Eric Elliott, who is a huge West Virginia fan. West Virginia and Pitt have a long heated rivalry. Yes. And he said that Pitt's fans make Miami stadium look like it's full. So just, yeah. just a little uh, nudge. So thank you, Eric, for that comment on Twitter that you made when it came to the uh, mailbag segment. Just, just a tiny bit of shade, right? Yeah. Just a little bit. At big Papa RV <clears throat> says with Papa. Duke incredible. Say that. Uh, rumor has it. He likes, he loves it when you call him big Papa. <laughs> <laughs> with Duke's incredible turnaround season. When do we start to worry about Elko, Johns, Smith heading to bigger, better jobs? Okay. Not not this year. Okay. If, and I'm going to tread cautiously when I say this, if we have the same success next year that we've had this year, then – me personally, I will start worrying about coordinators going off to be head coaches because a reminder coming to Wallace Way next year, just a few of the teams, North Carolina State, Clemson, Notre Dame. If we finish eight and four, seven and five next year, that will be a huge victory in fans eyes, Josh. And we go to Chapel Hill. Yes, that too. So. I personally don't believe that we will lose anyone this year. Yes, we've had a great turnaround. But I also know that this administration is going to do anything and everything to keep as much of these pieces together as long as possible. Now, again, after next year, we could probably discuss it. Something that I've said, and I, I'm not, I don't know anything, but just looking down the road, and I hope I'm wrong. We all know what's going on at Texas A&M. With old Jumbo Jimbo. Stop it. Stop it. He's I, not going in. That 84 is getting ready to get found, too. Just right. FYI. They're so, finding so it, it in the next two But weeks. what I'm saying is this. Oh, it's too early. It, it's, it's too it's early. It's not going there anyway. No way. No way. But Texas also, 
if there's a time for him that he needs to go, it's right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, here's, that's here's what I want to say. He's not going to Texas A&M. Here's what I say to Duke fans. Just enjoy it, man. Yes. Like, do not take do not take this season for granted. Do not take next season for granted. Enjoy it while while it's going on. Listen, there. I can promise you this. There's not a daggone thing that any of us that follow the program are going to be able to do about yep. coordinators leaving or about the potential of Elko uh, doing well enough to where, you know, a school that can just offer him more money than what we can offer him, whatever, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we're going to be able to do about it. So all we can do is enjoy the moment that we're in and, and don't get, because man, I, I tell you, we can really psych ourselves out thinking about the future. We could. Well, I would say, I would say this, it, it, he, to what Josh is saying, but I also want you to take one look at one, one program right now. Take a look at the Clemson Tigers. They lost their top two coordinators and look where they're at right now. So he's having to reinvent the wheel down there. So true. We've I mean, got, technically they got what two losses. Yeah. And they're, there's there's still have a shot of getting into the playoff. But if they but, went it, out. but to Clemson standards, that's six. Oh, losses. they're not there. Yeah, they're yeah, not the, there. For at sure. this point, they're not going to be in the playoff, and they've been in the playoffs seven out of the last eight years, I think it was. So they yeah, only have one what, loss. Right? They only have one loss. Two. Isn't that right? I believe two. R- regardless, that's oh. four to six losses in Clemson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's no. move on. I don't I talking no, about man, that's that got kinda, depressing. Yeah, exactly. No, no more of those questions, fans. Come on. All right. At LA Dodgers all day, Sam. Says, yeah, is Sam. it too simple of a game plan to stop Abanaconda? Abanaconda. Abanaconda. A banana Abanaconda. Can we win? The Tigers. It feels like a man just said, Abanaconda. I've got a new name for him, a banana hammock. The Todd. This episode's quickly going off the rails, folks. Let's just call him the Todd from here on out. <laughs> yeah. How about hey, is his first name Israel? Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's call him Israel. Is, that dude has over 1,200 yards and 17 touchdowns, so we're going to have to stop him. Like, What's his name again, Jamie? <laughs> Israel. <laughs> Israel <laughs> Banana Hammock. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is it as simple as that? Obviously, I mean – Whoa. Um, Slovis is not what they thought he was going to be at quarterback. He's definitely no Kenny Pickett, and he's definitely not what they the potential that he has. He's not showing it this year. So to answer the question, is it as simple as stopping him at the running back position? I think it kind of is. Yes. It really is as simple as can we stop a guy who has rushed for 17 touchdowns and over 1,200 yards this year? Yeah. I I think it's that simple. uh, Rushing touchdowns, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know who's tied for yeah. 20th in the nation? Riley, Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like he's the yeah. Yeah, Sorry, it's like it's like Pat talked to Jamie. If we establish our run game against Pitt, we have a great shot at winning. If we stop Israel Banana Hammock, then we've got a good shot at winning as well. Yeah, I'm gonna say it just like Jerkovic. I don't care, well, folks. <laughs> well, look, Slovis is thrown for almost two thousand yards, but he's only six touchdowns and six interceptions. I mean, yeah. he's He's, that he's plays in our hands. We're fine times. with that. And again, they've got a wow. new offensive coordinator. And another thing that Pat talked about. Yeah, because Mark Whipple's at Nebraska now for at least a couple more days. Yes, for a couple more. He might be back at Pitt next year. True. This is a good chance. All right, Jamie. What's next? I want to go with one more off Twitter before I move on to Facebook. All right. 
at dude in Elville says, what will Duke have to do to stop Pitt's defense from getting to Leonard? I believe Pitt is number one in sacks in FBS. And yeah. we saw Pat talked about that during the interview. So, yes, that's a big concern. I, mean, I would say Riley's got to get yep. rid of the ball quickly. Yep. They're going to have to be quick passes. And if they're going to run, they're going to have to run probably to the outside maybe instead of trying to go between the tackles. So slant routes yeah. all day. Got it. <laughs> as long as we don't throw that 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 uh, running back pass right after Riley cast, grabs it and he turns and looks right to the guy. But anyway. That's well, here's my thing. Once again, I said it earlier. I'm going to reiterate it with this question. This is going to be a difficult defense to scheme against. And so, like, here's what I can – I mean, please, Duke fans, God knows. If we are planning on them bringing a lot of pressure, that means we're going to call a lot of plays that get the ball out of Riley's hands quickly, which means we're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield, especially at the beginning of the game. So, like, can, like let's just chill. Just watch the game and enjoy it and and let the, let the coordinator – I let Johns and, and, and Leonard get together and figure out what's best. But all that to say, you guys are exactly right. It's got to be get the ball in his hands quicker. It's got to be run so, some sort of action that gets our running backs in space and can get around the, those edges. Hey, Jamie, let's go with two more questions, okay? Two more on, from Facebook. We do Twitter? I've already did Twitter. I'm, okay, yeah, I'm let's good. do two more from Facebook. I've only got a couple on Facebook. Okay, know. perfect. Uh, Jason Rogers, better known as Cash's, Cash's dad. Is there an I or any injured pit players that might be coming back? And Pat once again mentioned that in the interview as well. He had talked about they have not started the same offensive line all year. Now I'm not sure if they're getting any guys back or not because he did not say that. But they they've struggled much the same way BC did with their offensive line. They've struggled all year. Look, we. There- we don't know who's playing for Duke Saturday and we, and we are at press conferences and uh, have people even on the inside that, that uh, throw us, um, you know, information every now and then there's no way uh, with the way that now you don't have to give any kind of injury report or anything like that. um, No way of knowing. And so, I mean, Duke's got to prepare just like for Boston college. We went in prepared, you know, for a different quarterback and, um, you got to go in ready, and so it's 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 kind of a competitive advantage, you know, for these for these programs to keep it quiet, and, the, and they're obviously doing that. Last one, Kelly Rowe, friend of the pod, Wilmington resident, living the dream. Yes. Back Good evening, you. gentlemen. Long time listeners, second time asking a question. Duke is sitting at seven and three, and with two games left, is there anything on offense and defense that you would like to see shored up or corrected that would help benefit this team? I mean, as much love as we give him, especially you, Jamie, um, I feel like the last two weeks, Riley's been a little skittish. Um, I feel like his um, like completion percentage is there for this past game especially. Um, but I feel like there's some throws. I mean, look, the Jordan Moore one-handed, one-handed catch, uh, there's two of them. Yeah, they were behind him. Um, just things like that, I think – and I don't know what it is, um, but I I feel like I'd like to see Riley get back in that groove groove that we, I felt like he was in in the early earlier on in the season, um, and then staying healthy. Secondary has got to stay healthy. Defensive line's got to stay healthy. Can't afford it. Can't afford any injuries on either one of those in either one of those areas. Kelly, 
I was going to say, I'd say the biggest thing would be the injuries. Try to stay, we got to stay healthy. We've, we've done a whole lot better this year, obviously, than we have in the past, but we've had a rash in the last two weeks. So if we can keep as many people healthy as we can, that would be nice, especially on the offensive line. Kelly also said he had tagged me on Facebook the other day, said he was at the Boundary House. He said Boundary House was fire, and those croissants were amazing. Um, so if anybody from the Boundary House is listening, management or anything, we are looking for sponsorship, and I love you guys. The problem is Jamie would eat all of our sponsorship money in the food. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an NIL deal for Riley and Jamie. I love it. Well, listen, Duke's going to take on Pitt. Um, this, this Saturday, cold weather, 12 noon start ACC network. Uh, we will be posting in our game thread on Facebook, obviously follow us on Twitter as we'll interact, um, you know, during the game, but it is now time for our newest segment, uh, brand new this season. Um, and that is the not yet sponsored. That's right. The not yet sponsored big font legible this week in Duke football history. Scott Medlin, take it away. Yes, and um, for the record, Peter, I told you, Peter Dodge, I told you the other day, I would try to find as many old references as I can. This one's not old. This one actually is going to be one where we are all alive and we've already referenced the guy that we're going to talk about. So November the 15th, 1997, junior wide receiver, Corey Thomas, who Josh and Brian loved and loved the would break the all-time record for receptions in a game playing against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Thomas would haul in 16 receptions, breaking the school record of 15 set by Roger Boone in 1988. Thomas would also have 276 yards in the game, which is the second most receiving yards in a single game for a Duke wide receiver. To this day, Thomas is still in the Duke all-time top 10 list for pass receptions in a career with 165, receiving yards with 2297, TD receptions in a single season with eight and TD receptions in a career with 25. So that is wow. this week in Duke football history. And if you had Corey Thomas being referenced three times, you are a winner. <laughs> I just, we love the guy because after every Duke game, he would come off the field and put his arms out for everyone to get one of the armbands. Scott. Speaking of that, I'm glad you, and I'm glad you said that. Because two things happened at the end of the game the other day. Um, since I was the lone wolf, I kind of took my time to get back to the the uh, to get my stuff from the hard hack area. And students stayed around for Coach Elko to run over to the student section and to high five everybody. There was probably about twenty five to thirty of those students left. On the other side of the tunnel, kids were staying around. Riley was the last person to get interviewed there on TV, he came over and was taking his wristbands off and handing it to those kids. And those kids were loving it. Folks, that is what it's all about. If you're an athlete, a D1, D2, D anything, that is what this stuff is about. Kids adore you. Yep. If you have this opportunity, man, do it. Give these kids a chance. They'll love you. They'll love the team for the rest of their lives. Because like Josh and Brian have said, back in the 1990s, yep. Corey Thomas was one of the many reasons why they still are fans to this day because they loved what he did. 
So yeah, shout also, out to Corey Thomas. That's the fourth time now. So they hey, get extra credit go. now. Uh, as I, I was, I was media uh, at the Virginia Tech game. Enjoyed it, by the way, on the field some, and and then afterwards in the post game pressers and whatnot. But after the pressers came walking out, and all the all the parents and families were out there waiting for the players, and players were out there talking. Uh, Derek Lively, shout out D Live. Um, Derek Lively was out there uh, talking to the football players, interacting with the parents as well. Thought that was kind of a kind of neat. And by the way, Duke fans. Look, if you want to celebrate those players, you want to get autographs from those players. If you'll hang out about thirty to forty-five minutes, uh, right there at the uh, the main entrance gate in between Cameron and and Wallace Wade, if you'll hang out right there, those players come out and they'll sign autographs. They'll do whatever. And so, once again, it's just another way for you to get closer to the program. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been instructed to continue on, and I will. Uh, because after this, this week in Duke football history, which is not yet not yet sponsored, you know what is sponsored. That's a tell of the tape. And that is sponsored by our good friends at Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Before we intro the tell of the tape with Senior Brian Kennedy, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls, as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And our thanks yet again to Comfort Mechanical Contractors, who has come on with us this year, and we're looking to continue that relationship into next year. But now it's time for Tell of the Tape for the Pitt Panthers. Last year, Pitt went 11-3, winning the ACC Championship, and would go on to the Peach Bowl, where they were defeated by the Michigan State Spartans 31-21. Last week, Pitt defeated Virginia 37-7, and they are currently 6-4 overall. Head coach Pat Narduzzi is in his seventh year as Pitt's head coach and has an overall coaching record of 59-41. and 41. Now, Overall, this is the 26th matchup all-time between Duke and Pitt, and Pitt leads the series matchup against Duke 16 games to nine. Now, the first ever meeting between Duke and Pitt took place all the way back on October 5th, 1929 in Peter Dodge's freshman year, where Pitt defeated Duke 52-7. to now, this game was a little bit more significant as it would also be the first game played at the new Wallace Wade Stadium, then called Duke Stadium. Since 1969, the two schools have faced off 11 times and Duke has only won one game during that time frame back in 2014 when they defeated Pitt 51 to 48 in Pittsburgh. Now, Pitt is currently on a six game winning streak against the Blue Devils and won last year's matchup 54 to 29. Now it's time for the Did You Know? The Panther has been the mascot for Pittsburgh since 1909. The decision was made at a meeting that consisted of students and alumni after the school was renamed from the Western University of Pittsburgh to the University of Pittsburgh. The suggestion was made by George Baird, an alumni of the school, because no other school or university had the Panther as a mascot. Since debuting 113 years ago, 
the Panther mascot has been a mainstay at school events. In the 1990s, the Panther would officially be named Rock after Steve Petra, who played guard for the Panthers football team in the 1930s. Petro was nicknamed the Rock during his playing days at Pitt, as the Greek word for Rock is Petro. Petro would be on staff with the school from 1950 to 1983 and was a fan favorite in the Pitt community. Now, when it comes to the identity of those who wear the Panther costume, no one knows their identity. It is said that those who wear the outfit are sworn to secrecy and do not reveal themselves as portraying the Panther even after their time is finished. It is said that the group of people who have worn the Panther outfit, both past and present, take extreme pride in keeping themselves a secret and view the group as an exclusive fraternity. And that was the tale of the tape for the Pitt Panthers brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Yeah, so what's up is, with these schools? What's up I, with I know, sec second week in a row where the mascot takes precedent over the majority of things when it comes to pride and tradition and everything like weird. that. That's weird. Now, now if yeah. I find that the, the Demon Deacon's the same way, I quit. <laughs> okay, uh -huh. can I share a quick I, – I, I know this is part of our – our uh schedule here but it, since mascots mascots have been the thing the last two weeks um my beautiful wife sarah um this was a few years ago i don't know if you guys remember this and this is this is a tragic story but it's, it turns out to be a hilarious thought um the unc Tar Heel mascot the ramses um, passed away the yeah. the, the oh the, the actual mascot real, okay the yeah, person that was that was you know ramses i do remember that yeah passed away and so i said Hey, listen, the UNC mascot person passed away. Oh, and as serious, I'm talking about, I'm not, if I'm lying, I'm dying. She looks at me and goes, where are they going to find a casket big enough? <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. That came out of her mouth. And uh, I did not know what to say at the moment. I just, I cried laughing. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> serious wow. To me. So anyway. There's your mask. That, hey, that, and, and that is the ever popular. <laughs> did you know? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna find something other than mascot uh, trivia and history for next week to end the season, the regular season. That is. Oh my. By the goodness. way, yeah, if you got if you guys ever interact with my wife, you got to ask her about it. So she remembers hey, it for sure. For those of you that are wondering, when Duke did win that game, Chris blew it, missed the field goal that would have tied it to send it to overtime. Mm, well, there you go. That's right. That's right. Well, listen. Uh -huh. Oh, it's now time for predictions, and we already heard 25 minutes ago that Jamie pr predicted oh, the score uh, closest. If you, in case you guys forgot, Jamie predicted 24 to seven. It's been a little while since he reminded us of that, um, but Jamie did get the closest by far. And 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 what's funny about it is, like he said, he thought it was going to be bad weather, so he picked kind of a, a, a you know a lower score, and turns out he was definitely uh the closest and you know basically right on the nose uh, but brian we had a winner on twitter a winner on facebook man let us know who it is so we can send them their free bleed blue section 17 t-shirt yeah so i'll go with twitter first paul herzog at pfh 57 he predicted duke score on the nose 24 and he predicted them to win 24 to 20 so paul you've got a shirt coming your way and on Facebook, I believe this is the second time this year this has happened. We've got one right on the nose. Susie Palmieri, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. She got the score on the nose, fellas. Duke 24, Virginia Tech 7. So, Susie, not only are you going to get a bleed blue shirt, 
you are going to get yourself a Section 17 football magnet. Football helmet magnet, that is. There you go. Me and Susie are really smart. That's right. Jamie, are you wanting a shirt and a magnet too? I think we <laughs> also, can do that Also, shout, shout out to Cade. Didn't he get the uniform combo? Yeah. Yes. Cade on the nose. I mean. BFF of the pod. Good job, Cade. All right. So before we get going, I just want to give the over-under and the spread really quick. We It was open at, I believe, what, 10 points? Eight. 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 No, it was, no, you're right. It was it was ten, then jumped to eight quickly, and now it's jumped down to eight, yeah. and it's down to seven and a half. So obviously, people were taking some money, and Vegas is changing it up. The over under fifty two and a half points total. So who wants to get us started with Jersey and score predictions? I'll go ahead. I mean, Duke and Pitt has been a, historically a shootout. I mean, I remember actually in our preseason pod, one of our questions was, "Will Duke score?" 30 points in an ACC game. Y'all remember that? Back when we didn't think. <laughs> anyway. Back and, in the and, day. Uh, yeah, back, back back a few months ago, a couple months ago. Um, but we mentioned the pit game. Uh, that was the game last year where Duke, you know, scored the most points, even in a loss. So these are always shootouts. So I'm going to go over. Um, you know, the cold weather does scare me a little bit, but I'm going to still take that over. Um, listen, I can't I can't pick against us now, man. I, I had us going four and eight. Uh, to start the season, I'm not picking against this anymore. Uh, I've got Duke winning this game, uh, 41 to 34. 41 to 34. We win by a touchdown, um, and and we break the curse that Narduzzi has over this program. What are we gonna wear? <sighs> we're on the road. I'm afraid we're gonna go black, white, black. Ugh. I'm afraid we do that at Pitt. We've done that at Pitt I know. before. But I hate it. And so I'm going to stick with my guns, man. I'm an icy white all the way. Helmet, top, bottom. Icy white. Let's go with the Iron D. Um, and that's my uniform combo. I'll, I'll go next. Um, so, yeah, Duke is averaging close to 34 points a game. Pitt averaging 30 points a game. So now you see why the over-under is so high. I'm with Josh. Uh, initially, I predicted them to lose to Pitt. But again, this is another team that we thought was going to be like last year's team. It hasn't worked out that way. I'm with Josh. I think we're going to keep that winning train rolling. I got Duke winning 38-31, to 31, so it's still on the over, 69 points. Um, as far as... Nice. As far as the jersey combination, I think they're just going to keep it simple. White top, white helmet. Uh, sorry, white helmet, white top, blue pants. Clean to the point. Go Duke. Let's get another victory. Who's next? All right. So I'll go next. Um, because I don't have to plead to the fans about being there. Um, that's next week. Um, I'm actually gonna go ahead and go out with the, the uniform. I think we're gonna go icy white. I think we're gonna do let's see. I I I I'm gonna go white shirt, white pants blue lid with the big white D because I th- I nice. think that's I think that's going to work out perfectly it'll be just right um then for score I'm going to go 34 to 31 um maybe that'll be the opportunity there for Todd Polino to uh hit the man crush zone there for Josh which, by the way, Todd Polino is very, very well aware of that, just for the record. 
Yes, so he is. His family is as well. If he hits a 40-yarder, he's entered the man crush zone. Yes, and Grandpa will be really happy. That's right. Shout out to Plino. Todd's going to need security to keep Josh away from him. Got it. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, prediction guru. What you got for us? We saved the best for last. I was trying to figure out my unmute button. Um, so I will. I agree with Scott and Josh. And I think the Icy Whites. Um, I like Scott's helmet. I do with the blue helmet. But I'm going to go with the white helmet with the blue D. Oh, no, white white shirt, white jersey, white pants. Um, as far so, as so, the, just copy and paste what I said. That's yeah, cool. exactly. Right. exactly. Okay. The tiny, the tiny D on the helmet. Tiny <laughs> D. <laughs> All right. What's the score prediction? Come on, Jamie. We're not uh, we're not <laughs> editing out this dead air. Come on now. Um, Let's get that score in. I'm gonna go. I'm still going. Oh, I got him. Oh, I got him. Duke 27, Pitt 24. Okay, so that is uh, right under the under. So so there's our predictions, folks. The other guys are uh, composing themselves. I don't know what happened. But um, as always, once this episode drops on Wednesday, we will post on Twitter and Facebook to get your thoughts on the score. And as always, whoever gets And if we don't... Peter Dodge will remind us. Yes, Peter right. will. Peter. Yep. Peter's got an alarm set. But as He's I basically said, basically the fifth member. He should be on every week. He he should. As I said, though, if you are the closest on Twitter or Facebook, you will have a free bleed blue shirt coming your way. And as you heard, if you get the score on the nose, you get a little something extra. So look for the post on Wednesday. And before we close down shop, I think uh, Scott wants to mention something really quick. Or Josh, I'll do it. Josh will. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously we're recording this on Monday night and we've had a lot of fun on this episode, by the way, and we hope you guys enjoy it. We have fun recording these episodes. You guys have let us know that you seem to enjoy listening to these episodes and we, we, we do, we have a lot of fun humor, whatever. Um, but Sunday night, the news hit that there was a mass shooting that took place in Charlottesville by now, you know, all about it. And we found out Monday morning that the shooting completely kind of revolved around the, U- the UVA football program. And so, uh, all we want to say, I mean, we we don't have any any legitimate connections there. We just say, like, listen, we we are obviously Duke fans, and we compete, and we don't like our opponents, blah, 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 whatever it is. But these are all young men who are pursuing their dreams, and they have families. That's one of the things that we have found out when we were doing this podcast is we've gotten to know the, the families of our players. And what I did today, I took some time, and I really thought through, okay, who is the Lavelle Davis on Duke's team? Right. Like, who's that guy? Like, what if what if someone what if we found out that person was gone or or, you know, who is the Deshaun Perry on our team? Who is the transfer that came in this year? You know, what I mean, that kind of thing. And like, so we just want to say that our prayers are with the families of uh, of obviously those that have been killed, those that are still recovering uh, prayers with them. Coach Elliott, the AD administration at UVA, all the friends and family. And at the end of the day. Uh, just horrific, uh, horrific things. And so we stand, obviously, um, in solidarity with you guys. And so, like I said, we like to have a lot of fun, but we know that there's way, way, way bigger things and more important things going on. And so ho- hopefully this UVA community can rally around each other and can b- come out even stronger after this is over. 
I would say definitely our thoughts and prayers uh, to everybody involved. Uh, I can't imagine it. It's, you know, it's just not, it's not fathomable to believe something like this would happen, but uh, just prayers to all the folks, prayers to the families who lost loved ones in this situation. And we just, you know, we support you UVA. Glad to see that everybody is behind you. And we just hope as a team, as a university, as a school that you guys are able to get over this hump and be able to honor these folks um, who obviously love their school and were athletes. And I, I can't imagine being in the situation of a coach Elliot right now. Um, I've coached basketball over the years with just ju junior kids. I can't imagine what it would be to have an 18, 19 year old, uh, almost adult to have something like that happen. And you have to, be able to talk to the families and stuff like that. So just thoughts and prayers, rest in peace, guys. That's all I can really say. Yes. Uh, unbelievably tragic on, um, you know, when I saw it, I just couldn't believe it had happened. Prayers to the family, prayers to the, all the students at the university that have to deal with this now. Uh, tragic news in Charlottesville. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, just an, it's just an unfortunate situation in this day and age. It's uh, something that puts a lot of perspective into life as well as, you know, just it just shows that football is just a part of life and, and not that important in the grand scheme of things. Uh, we take a lot of things for granted. And this is definitely something that that opens your eyes to make you realize what's more important than lot in life. And certainly uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the uh, UVA community and Coach Elliott and his team. Yeah, for sure. Well, a little bit of a somber close, but we do want to encourage you, if you have not yet, uh, head, head to DukeFootballTalk.com. We have articles there for you, uh, five deep articles where we uh, let you learn a little bit more about uh, a player in the Duke football program. Our helmet stickers, uh, shout out Coach Rob Smith, uh, earned a helmet sticker this past weekend for that performance by the defense against Virginia tech among others. And then uh, obviously our podcast dropped there. You can also shop our store where we have Elko era hoodies, Elko era t-shirts, our bleed blue uh, hoodie uh, t-shirts in the Royal blue. We also have them in gray and black on there that you can purchase um, GTHC hoodies um, as well on there. We're going to be adding some other things uh, hopefully very soon. We'll keep you posted on that, uh, but hit our store there. If you don't already, uh, follow us on Twitter at Duke FB Talk, Instagram at Duke FB Talk. Uh, search us on Facebook. Uh, we're at 1,100 people in this group now. Uh, just search Duke Football Talk. And then obviously, if you appreciate what we do, uh, we do this for the football program at Duke and for the fans. And so if you appreciate what we do, uh, would you give us a five star uh, review and rating on Apple? That goes a long way. And then on Spotify, you can leave us a rating, a five star rating. We would greatly appreciate it and we really do appreciate all of you who take the time to listen every week brian take us out of here man yeah and don't forget uh something new we've done on the website and i've certainly enjoyed it is our bowl projections as we get ready to see where duke heads probably i believe december 4th we'll know by so duke fans if you're like us we are anxiously awaiting to see where we will be heading because the four of us more than likely will be heading wherever the duke team goes for their bowl opponent but with that being said for josh cox scott medlin Jamie Holt, producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Now turn the music up!